As we all know, milk prices have been strong over the past couple of seasons. However, we're now also experiencing pressures associated with a reduced national milk volume and a negative trend in milk price projections. This revenue pressure, combined with fast rising input costs and interest rate hikes, is seeing farm businesses' profit margins significantly squeezed. So how are farmers managing their way through the current economic climate to maintain profitability? Over the next two episodes, you'll hear from a group of farmers who have kindly agreed to talk about their approach. I'll be asking them how they're coping, how they calculate their profit from various inputs like supplements, and how they go about budgeting when things are changing so quickly. In this first episode, we're joined by Dan King and Mark Jones. Dan and his wife Kate are owner-operators on the West Coast. Mark and Nia are 50-50 share milking 700 cows at Mamuku Bay of Plenty and contract milking 500 cows in Tiro, Waikato. And in part two, which will be out in a couple of weeks, you'll hear from Waikato owner-operator John Blewett and Canterbury's Kylie Marriott, a herd-owning lower-order share milker. My name's Ben Chapman-Smith, and I hope you enjoy this episode. And just a couple of quick notes. If you're looking for a great course to help you manage the numbers in your farming business, check out Dairy Training Limited's Business by the Numbers. Dairy Training, a subsidiary of Dairy NZ, is aiming to run this course in every region in 2023, and courses start as soon as February. Go to dairytraining.co.nz forward slash bbtn, that's forward slash bbtn, to learn more. And if you haven't already done so, be sure to subscribe to this podcast so you get notified when new episodes go live. Let's get started. Mark and Dan, thank you so much for giving up your time today. Out of your, you know, it's a busy time of year. We're in the week leading up to Christmas. So thank you for giving up your time to be on the podcast. This is great. And I'm looking forward to this conversation. Mark, could you kick things off? Tell us a bit about where you're farming and your current roles. Yeah. So um, myself and uh, my wife, Nia, we um, contract milk 500 cows in Tirao and share milk 700 cows uh, in the Mamako. We're in our second season. Yeah, just loving life. Uh, explain that that hint of an accent. How long have you been in New Zealand for? Yeah, I'm, I'm a bit of a lost Welshman. Uh, <laughs> got here about six and a half years ago now. I'd been here on an OE back in 2007 initially. A friend of mine was playing rugby for Tokoroa, came out to visit him. Then two years later, in 2009, came to work on the same farm for two years and just fell in love with dairying pretty much, yeah. Brilliant. Yep. I remember we did a photo shoot on your farm for an Inside Dairy article and there was a Welsh flag flying up the driveway there somewhere. Do you, have you still got that at your new place? Uh, yes, it's on my driveway, yeah. yeah. I climbed the tree. That was probably June the 2nd when we moved onto these farms. Climbed up a tree <laughs> in the rough rain and... <laughs> pretty pretty patriotic, the Welsh. <laughs> good man, good man. Hey, and, and Dan, tell us about you and, and Kate and the family. Where are you farming? Uh, yeah, we've, we're, we're just out of Reefton on the west coast. Uh, you're just owner-operators, just we 73 hectares uh, with 152 Kiwi cross cows. Yeah, so that's, that's where we're at. Fantastic. How long have you owned the farm, Dan? Uh, this is our ninth season here, yep. So, mm. yeah, we're share milking, 50-50 share milking before we came here. Are you born and raised on the West Coast? Um, not really. Um, yeah, sort of born in Nelson, and uh, my parents were sort of early in their dairy career, sort of when I was when I was a toddler. So, 
yeah, moved around a fair bit um, as they sort of progressed through the up the ladder and um, yeah, from from Nelson up to North Island and then back down to the South Island to to the West Coast. Yeah, so I was, spent most of my life on the coast. Good stuff. Hey, well, I've got a list of questions here, and what I'd like to do is put them the same questions to both of you, if that's okay. So the first one is. Tell us a bit about your farm production system, Mark. We'll begin with you. And also, what kind of assumptions such as medium-term milk price, supplement costs, et cetera, have you used to establish that farm system? Yeah, that's an interesting question for us, actually, being in year two on these farms. Um, same farm owners on on both farms, by the way. So um, I guess we've, we've been through kind of a capital and system review probably 12 so 16 months ago kind of thing. And um, it was an all-grass system, zero inputs, maize grown at the Tiro farm, nothing at the Mamaco and just young stock going off to the farm owner's runoff. Um, so we ran a system too, pretty similar, but we've gone down the alley of putting in-shed feeding in for a couple of reasons, and probably a lot of people would tell us we're going the wrong way. But... Um, we're looking at animal health. Facial eczema is a big thing in in the white cats, as I'm sure a lot of people will know. And just general seasonality stuff that's going on, climate change, um, probably uh, methane and that whole uh, thing that is coming at us. We've been thinking like if we can get inhibitors into every cow every day consistently, that we've gone down that route. And we're budgeting on 300 kilos per cow that'll probably get closer to half a ton just the season that we've had this year. Farm owners' philosophies are around the zero palm kernel, so yeah, the price that we are paying for per ton for our supplements is way above industry target, I'd say. And then um, people needing food, Ukraine, all that stuff, we're budgeting on 8-plus yeah, in the mm. medium term, to be honest with you. So that's where we're at, but um, yeah, a huge pasture focus within our yeah. system. Yeah. Thanks, Mark. And what about you, Dan? Yeah, so we're pretty well self-contained with, with our stock anyway. All our young stock stay on farm and we winter everything on farm. We do buy in quite a bit of palm kernel, so we're sort of between a system three and a system four, depending on the season, you know, how much grass we grow. Uh, last year was, was a pretty rough season, so we're a system four last season, uh, feeding about, 1600 kilos of PK per cow. Uh, we'd normally feed about 11 to 1200 kilos of cow, and that's including winter as well. We feed quite a bit through the winter to get condition on, and, and the young stock gets some of that too. So that's not all going to the cows. Yeah, so uh, we've got um, irrigation, which covers about oh, sort of a bit over a third of the farm, which sort of helps with the summers a bit. And uh, yeah, we grow we grow a bit of summer crop too and, and winter crop. Good one. So you get a lot of rain, but you also, what are the summers like? Yeah, we we can get some quite sort of nasty, short, uh, dry spells in the summer. Uh, sort of, yeah, it can be anywhere from December through to March, really. But it's normally, normally sort of late late January, February is our sort of tough period. We can we can be just about completely brown at times mm. here. So, yeah, and um, as far as the sort of medium term payout, we're sort of working on sort of seven to eight dollars being sort of what we're going to sort of assume is sort of average from here on. So, Dan, tell us about the approach that you and Kate have taken to dealing with these dramatically risen farm costs. So, sort of two main things, you know, our two biggest costs are feed and fert. So, 
this year we only contracted quite a small amount of palm kernel because it was quite expensive and that was mainly we could justify it at that price at the current payout but we just just only contracted a small amount so that if the payout does come back significantly we've sort of got some flexibility to to can it from from there and and uh, back the pk right off as far as the fert goes we've done whole farm soil tests this year and uh yeah it's we've saved a bit of money it's not a huge amount but i think we've saved about three or four grand on our fert bill by being able to put a bit less in uh, a little bit less p on sorry uh, on some of the paddocks that were above the optimum range but also on the fert side we're actually in trying to increase our nitrogen in order to grow a bit more grass uh, so that we can sort of back off the pk a wee bit i think that's a bit more a bit more efficient and a bit more cost effective we're still under the 190 cap, but we're sort of trying to get closer to the, to the 190. Are there any other things that you've done to reduce costs? Probably, yeah, probably just trying to be a bit more proactive getting culls away early because we got bitten the year before last. Uh, with our culls, we you booked our culls in sort of normal time, sort of early May, and then uh, they couldn't go because of COVID, and, and so they didn't end up leaving until sort of late June, which really bugged up our, um, our winter feed budget, which made last season quite tough which, yeah, is considering it was so wet, it, it sort of compounded that issue. So, yeah, that was, that's another thing I'd say is just yeah, booking cows in early, probably a month earlier than what we would have in the past, and just accepting if it's a good autumn, then we've got more, more grass that we can push into the winter and possibly feed the remaining cows, you know, keep them milking for longer and or push the, the winter feed into the spring a wee bit, give us a bit more buffer in the spring. And Mark, what about you and Nia? What's your approach to you know these rising costs? Yeah, I guess our biggest thing we're, we're questioning every every cost. It's a plan, you know. As farmers, we all go through this. Say you uh, you do your annual budget that looks spot on. Oh, thanks, Mister Bank Manager, and then you do your cash flow. Oh yeah, yeah, it's going to be in a deep hole, you know, pre Christmas. Oh yeah, it's all planned, but it's when you're in <laughs> when you're in the eye of the storm, it's still pretty uncomfortable, you know. Even though it's all planned. But um, yeah, we're questioning every cost, I guess, and we'll we'll revisit our cash flows now. To, you know, I guess this is relatively new. You know, in in terms of where we budgeted and cash flow, we need to revise now. A lot of people would have already. You know, we might, might be behind the eight ball on that. And yeah, a whole lot of communication with our accountants and bank manager. And um, to be honest, use a lot of the Darian's Ed website. You know, this podcast, this is good listening to this. Surrounding ourselves with good people as well. We're part of a business group. So, yeah, that's, we've got a group chat on that, just bouncing ideas. Yeah. And I guess a lot of top two inch stuff, you know, it's a mindset to be able to uh, roll with the punches a little bit. We know there's a little bit of headwind coming our way. I, I guess I'm yeah, setting myself up. To not become fatigued, you know, you could look at our labour costs just with the scale we have. We need a lot of people and like chop, chop, chop. But what does that do to their lives? What does it do to me? You know, so, yeah, a lot of top two inch stuff as well, to be honest with you, to, to complement the paper and pen kind of approach as well. Mark, what are your, your farm business principles and how are these useful in, in the current economic environment? <laughs> that's a good one you know that's your peg in the ground eh? it, it shouldn't move even though you question it sometimes like we we operate um, near myself growth to enrich lives is kind of our our motto so if our business is growing we're growing the people we're growing the animals we're tending the right way 
but there's a whole framework that fits into that, you know, weighing your young stock, growing the right amount of pasture, growing your budget. You know, there's a lot that sits underneath that. So our peg in the ground is, is it growth to enrich people? I guess it's an age and stage thing. I feel like I'm a, a long way away from consolidation mode. So, yeah, we're in growth mode, growing a family, three kids now. <laughs> yeah. I guess through that is people, pasture and profit. Yeah, the three pillars underneath that, I guess. But, yeah, broken down. Just playing the long game. How are you going with, you know, holding the course on that, on what your sort of values are, your principles are, in terms of the, the financial pressures? Do you feel like you're having to compromise at all on that or can you stick pretty true to your, your mission? Um, yeah, it's an interesting one. Like, um, no offence to Dan, like our farm owners have got um, a principle of zero palm. And then we're looking at the feed that we are coming in and it's relatively high cost. And you look at putting 30% PK in and cheapest that drops the price a fair bit. You know, you look at them and you question your your, your philosophies, but um, and then you go back and you're like, oh, what is the long game? And you're like, okay, let's see this through and see what the methane game brings into it and stuff like that. So, yeah, I definitely question those those philosophies sometimes we go through it but um just keep questioning keep learning yeah good on you hey and dan what about you talk to us about your farm business principles and and how that that's going for you at the moment yeah just we just sort of try to keep things simple we're just run an efficient system try and harvest the, you know as much grass as we can no flash machinery just only we only have gear that we need it's like what makes the boat go faster sort of thing if it makes the boat go faster we get it if it doesn't we don't and yeah, we've sort of been focusing on strengthening our equity position as much as we can. Any spare cash just goes to paying back debt, really, at this stage. And um, yeah, and I guess the the benefit of that is if we get to a you know we're sort of almost at a point now where we could just go interest only if we had a really tight season. So that that's quite a saving, and and having a, a lower amount of debt just means that you know it's less interest as well so it's, it's sort of two ways you're winning by by paying back debt really so it's almost like the work that you did beforehand has has left you guys you know you've got a bit more flexibility at the moment yeah we, we used to be all about growth when we we're share milking and we sort of got a bit burnt out to be honest um, running a, a bigger farm 800 cows uh, 50 50 and yeah all the all the issues that come with with that, um, trying to just you know work more than what you should really be working, and not having enough balance, and especially when you know your kids come along. So um, yeah, we're sort of now we're we're not really interested in, in growing our business any bigger. We just want to make our business stronger so that um, you know we've got a good foundation for the future. Really, how do you calculate the profit that you make on various inputs, Dan? For example, supplements. Yeah, we just sort of we sort of work on a sort of a responsive sort of eighty grams. Of milk solids per kilo of dry matter on our palm kernel sort of thing and uh yeah just work work on sort of an eight dollar payout that'll be 80 grams on an eight dollar payout 64 cents and the, our pk's you know what we've contracted is costing us about 55 cents so uh yeah if you that's nine cents profit which is 16 percent. so that, that's kind of an example of you know how we would calculate the, the margin yeah and what about you mark yeah, similar principles um, around that, to be honest. The other thing is you know, the rule of 5% of milk price as well around cost per kilo is a similar equation. Dairy and Z calculator on uh, feed and stuff um, will play with that 
<laughs> Sometimes you don't listen to it. That's the thing, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those tools really similar to Dan and Kate there. Yeah, yep. sure. Mark, you mentioned budgeting earlier. Um, touched on it briefly. When do you start your budgeting process for the next season and how do you actually go about putting your budget together? We're currently using Cash Manager. A lot of our peers on in the business group using figures and stuff like that. We have taken previous costs on board, so not true zero budgeting, but we're, we're actually going through a process of questioning what we're doing with that as well with this current climate. So um, probably we'll speak to peers on who's doing zero budgeting, um, pros, cons, and probably have, have a play down that avenue and maybe do both. But that'll start Feb, March, kind of workload come off, crops on the ground, silage done, setting up cows for the next season pretty much. And, yeah, those are important times to sit down and plan the following season, I guess. And Dan? Yes, so Kate sort of, uh, she sort of does the budgeting. Um, I sort of look over it, but she sort of starts in February. And we pr- we pretty much just start with the, the previous year's budget, and then we sort of go through line by line and, and ask ourselves, you know, what's what's going to be different here, and sort of make adjustments from there. Uh, so we we're using Banklink, and we also do spreadsheets on Excel to to work out what our our uh, production is going to be month by month, and pay out from there. And uh, we sort of just yeah, every month we're we're looking at you know actual production for that month, and then if there's been any adjustments to the payout or any expenses that have been you know, considerably different from what we've expected, and uh, yeah, and we're also uh, seeing that you know, through the accountants, we're getting you know, updated tax estimates all the time too. So we can we can sort of play around with that as the season goes. If it's if our tax is going to be sort of more or less, we're sort of we're getting plenty of heads up. It's obviously difficult to predict weather and milk prices, which have an impact on on milk income. Do you prepare various budget scenarios? Not really. We we pretty much just work on on sort of the forecast uh, milk price and yeah, just an average an average production season really. But uh, we do we do like to carry plenty of baleage and hay uh, just to allow for for those weather weather variances. Uh, yeah, just in case we do get a, a big drought or or a really wet period, so that we can yeah we're not under too much pressure trying to buy in baleage when everybody else wants it and, and that sort of thing. How about you, Mark? I guess we're questioning every cost. The weather stuff, yeah, similar, like having feed on hand, be it homegrown baleage or hay or whatever. Various budgets will probably, yeah, on small costs. Like, for instance, now we've, we find ourselves spending a lot on uh, R&M, repairs and maintenance on, on machinery and made the decision buy a few, a little bit more new gear, small gear. Um, bikes and stuff like that for the fam and then put them into the short term loan kind of scenario um, we we would have in the past maybe just paid cash for it and rolled on kind of thing, we're just kind of questioning everything like that now keeping the long term and short term finances kind of separate in our thinking to make sure the here and now happens as such question provisional tax and stuff like that, sat down with the accountants can we tone that down? Our costs are going to be higher. Milk production is actually lower in the Waikato for this year. I think we're seven or eight percent down. 
So, yeah, small things like that. Splitting bills, you know, cash flow-wise, having the conversation with people, oh, can we split that, can we spread that, um, you know, the big ticket items. Mark, how does, you know, what we're going through at the moment economically, how does that compare to anything you've been through since you've been dairy farming in New Zealand? Is this the sort of tightest time that you've been through? Yes, in New Zealand, yeah, yeah. Those years prior to us coming to New Zealand were pretty tight, the the 3 and $4 payout, so. But in that same period, we were, we were dairy farming in Wales and went through some and saw some pretty dicey things going on in the company market. And that just goes to show that I'm going on a tangent a little bit here, but um, the power of having a cooperative was a big decision in us coming to New Zealand. Nia's parents have a, a three-and-a-cow family farm. They're part of a small cheese cooperative in North Wales. And you'd see other companies just slashing, not picking up milk. Pretty bad scenario. So we've seen it, not firsthand on our business, but, um, yeah, I guess that forms you as a person. Mm. I'm just interested in knowing are there any lessons that you've learned from those, you know, those times back in Wales that you'd recommend to farm business managers? Yeah, just knowing your numbers is a big one, eh? I guess EQ is what I always harp on about with your emotional intelligence, being being able to get a state of mind that you can roll with the punches and playing the long game to get through it, yeah. But knowing your numbers, knowing where you're at, you can't manage what you don't measure. Can you just talk a bit more about the, when you talk about the, the EQ side of it, talk a bit more about what you mean there? Farming's hard, eh? And, you know, gone from an 800 cow share milking job down to 150. It's, it's tough, yakka, and building my resilience and emotional intelligence is pretty important to me. Not that any scenario is bad. Our goals are different, so we're building towards that. And what builds that is not getting fatigued, you know, mental health, all that stuff. So building EQ, the books I read, the podcasts I listen to, are all around success or resilience or that kind of stuff and yeah that's great now that, thanks for bringing that up mark because obviously we're talking numbers <laughs> and things in this podcast but obviously that's a huge part of it is the mental state right and have you got any advice to people who are you know struggling at the moment with worry about how things are going financially <laughs> i'm probably going off the pc but just get a bottle of rum and sit with your mates that's a, that's as important as it gets say and um, I'm pretty good at doing that. <laughs> <laughs> now, honestly, surround yourself with people that have a chat. And it's hard for men. We, we, you know, the mental health week and stuff like Kane was the other week on your on your podcast. It's um pretty important eh, that just to have a yarn and get it off your chest. And yeah, and nine times out of ten, people are going through the same thought process anyway. So just that relief of having it out, and it, it might be three rums or it might be six rums deep that you get your true all your truths out of you but um yeah that's me pretty much yeah no, good man it's a um bit of a tangent but i think it's a good one it's a good one to talk about in this in this conversation dan final question for you too i mean on, on same as what i asked mark how does what we're going through now compare to things you've been through in the past since you've been farming and is there anything you've learned through tight times in the past that you would recommend to business managers now? Um, <clears throat> yes, to me, it's sort of not too bad just yet. Um, when, when we uh, first bought the farm here was when the payout just dropped away from the previous record payout. 
So, um, yeah, that was pretty tough those first few years. And we yeah, we started off with sort of a fairly high stocking rate and, you know, had plans of doing really high high production per cow and per hectare and um, setting records and all that sort of thing, but pretty quickly learned that that wasn't going to work with the payout really low. So we cut cow numbers quite drastically and uh, cut our inputs right back. And uh, so that was, yeah, that was what we did to get through that uh, to avoid borrowing, yeah, putting uh, overdraft onto, onto term sort of thing. We didn't want to do that. We didn't want to be stepping backwards because, you know, we, we're already a peak debt already sort of thing. We didn't want to go into more more term debt. So, uh, yeah, just I guess um, since then we've, yeah, we, we, it, you know, that felt pretty pretty bad, you know, getting close to the end of our overdrafts and we don't want to be there again. So we haven't had an overdraft for the last few years and we sort of carry quite a high cash buffer in a, in a savings account that we can we can sort of put money into and take money out of as need. And we've sort of been working on working on chipping away at our, at our term loan since then. So I guess um, what I could say about yeah, what I've learned is to just yeah, plan ahead for your financials as far as yeah, what, what would happen to your business if the payout dropped down to $6, $5 again. And uh, especially with input prices the way they are, uh, so I guess you're yeah, just trying to be a stronger position to to handle that if it does happen to come along. Uh, I think people are pretty good at planning ahead for the for the seasons as far as their feed goes for you know putting feed aside for winter and summer and things like that. But um, yeah, I think you sort of need to do the same for your financials as well because there is good seasons and there are bad seasons. So we need to be sort of prepared for that. That's the main thing that I I keep hammering on at. But that's yeah the main thing I've learned. Yeah. Dan, you don't have to answer this, but I was curious when you mentioned having a, a cash buffer put aside in savings, do you work on like a, a three-month expenses, six-month expenses, something like that? Yeah, we haven't really worked it out um, as such, but yeah, it's just it's a decent amount that it's, yeah, it's it's more than what we would need for, say, something like a, you know, if a tractor blew up and we had a 20 grand bill, we could, you know, we could take 20 grand out of the savings account to cover it sort of thing. We're not having a to go to the bank for an overdraft. Um, and then, of course, we allow enough that we're never too close to zero on our working account either. So, so yeah, it's just, it just it saves a lot of hassle too. If you, like, we cancelled our overdraft facility altogether. So if we do need an overdraft, you know, it's, it's kind of a hassle getting it set up again sort of thing. So we keep well away from, from needing it just so that it save that hassle. But, um, you know, it's always, it's always available if we need it. If we do get tight times, we can. If you have one season that's really tough, we can organise an overdraft facility and, and use that sort of thing. But if you're working on your overdraft all the time, you know you don't have as much leeway if, if things do get tight. So mm. yeah, we, I guess we've just got a lot more conservative over the over the last few years since we've been been here anyway. Yeah, we used to use our overdraft on and off every year uh, when we're share milking, and yeah, we just don't feel comfortable doing that now. So no, that's excellent. Hey, and thank you so much. Look, the the farmers who I've talked to who listen to the podcast have told me one of the things they really enjoy is, is hearing from other farmers, finding out what other farmers are doing, how they're approaching different challenges. So thank you to both of you for putting yourselves forward to do that, you know, to come on and just share your approach with, with our listeners. Really, really appreciate it. And on behalf of our listeners, thank you. And I hope you both have a, a nice Christmas break and, and get to put your feet up. And Mark, have a rum or two. <laughs> sure will <laughs> thanks for running this Ben this is good day. Eh? this is good for people thanks for that thanks Ben I'll be having a run too um, yeah. 
Bye, everyone, with you, Mark. <laughs> Good one. Thanks for tuning into Talking Dairy. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you'd like to check out more of our podcasts, go to dairynz.co.nz forward slash podcast or find us on your favorite podcast platforms. Catch you next time.